Get ready to be dazed and infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Days and Infuse. I'm Latham Woodward, your host, and tonight we're very fortunate to have Andrew, Andrew D'Angelo here as our guest, uh, co-founder of Harborside. Many of you know Harborside and his brother, Steve D'Angelo. Um, welcome, Andrew, to Days and Infused. Well, it's great to be with you today, uh, Latham, and all your listeners and community. Hello out there. Hope everyone's staying safe. Right on. Good. Yeah, good, good entry there. And coronavirus? COVID-19 is hitting us all hard. We're all on self-isolation uh, here, and it's getting a little weird and a little tiring. <laughs> I'm sure you yep. know that. Um, my first question always is, before we go into a more serious subject, and we're going to delve away from the edibles and um, that kind of subject tonight, we're going to talk about um, Last Prisoner Project. But first off, what's your historical uh, relationship to cannabis? You and your brother, Steve, you're about my age and my brother's age, so we came up at the same time. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get into cannabis? Well, great question. My brother and I, our parents raised us in the Washington, D.C. area. My parents answered John Kennedy's call to do something for your country. And so they moved to Washington, D.C. shortly after they got married in Philadelphia. And my dad took a job with the government. And my brother is 10 years older than me, and he got into cannabis when he was 13. So I was only three or four at that time. And I guess you could say I was born into it. Uh, once Steve fell in love with the plant, uh, it, 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 you know, I came up uh, 10 years after him. Uh, I came up as an athlete. My first dream as a young, young man was to be a, an athlete as a kid, really, was to be an athlete like a lot of kids in America. And, of course, I was the best athlete in my neighborhood, um, not quite the best athlete in my high school, but um, it was still my dream. And, and I got hurt in high school when I was 15. I, I had a bad injury, uh, back injury, and, Ooh. well, my dream was over right there. And yeah. then and, and my brother, I was in my mom's kitchen. I remember it very vividly, and my, my brother handed me a joint um, and said, this will make you feel better. And I little voice inside me said, you got to take that joint, man. And so I did. And, um, and the little voice was right. And my brother, uh, was right. And I did feel better. And not only did my physical pain go away, but my depression from losing my athletic dream lifted. I was able to see there's more to life than just playing sports. There's more to one's career and, and dreams than being an athlete. And, I was able to pick myself up again and, and dream again and, and figure out new and better things to do with my life. And, and the first thing I did was start selling weed and decided to be on the cannabis trail. Uh, and that was 37 years ago. And so slinging, been, slinging weed in high school or after that? Slinging weed in high school. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Familiar <know>. story. <laughs> <laughs> Many of us got started that way um, in the 80s and 90s, and, um, and it's, it's certainly 
you know, just like you, we're now legal. Uh, and we have been for 15 years. We, many of us, you all know our work with Harborside, but before oh, sure. that we had a, a industrial hemp company called Ecolution in the 90s. And of course we helped legalize medical in California and Washington, D.C. And, uh, and then for adult use here in California uh, also. So we've, we've done the political work. You, 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 you can't really come up in the 80s and 90s and do the transactional work without doing the political work if, if you were smart, um, um, because that was the way to prevent getting going to jail for a long, long right. period of time. Um, uh, at least um, for us, that was a big part of our strategy. Um, and it, it was expensive. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, but we got it done. And, and so that's been the journey so far. And there's still, you know, a long way to go. You mentioned the virus at the beginning. And, and while all of us are getting a little cabin fever, just imagine if you're in prison and, and you can't keep six feet away from other people and, and, and no one's giving you any protective gear whatsoever. And, you know, you're in prison. Imagine yeah. what that's like. So, 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 you know, Last Prisoner Project is a nonprofit. Steve and I started last year, about a year ago now, um, to help all those folks, uh, not just when there's a virus hitting, but just get everybody out. You know, weed's legal, time to get them yeah. out. I agree. And your approach, and I'm great transition there because I, I like the backstory um, of you and Steve. Um, your your path is so similar to so many people I speak to in terms of our age group in the 45 to 60 range. And we all started out surreptitiously selling weed on the side, make a little cash and do that kind of thing. You know, um, For those of you at home who don't know who Steve D'Angelo and Andrew D'Angelo are, you need to look them up. It, our access to legal weed now is greatly because of their efforts and you're to be applauded for that. So thank you very much from me personally. Um, last prisoner project. Um, I did some research on incarceration. Currently there's 40 plus thousand people in the United States incarcerated in U S prisons, both public and private. The average cost in 2019 of incarcerating a prisoner in the United States, this is the average cost is $81,000 per person. That translates to $3.24 billion that we are throwing down a shitty tube with no good results, no reformation of character, no change, no um, rehabilitation basically, because our prison system is not set up to rehab, it's set up to screw people. And this is an unjust system. I'm very physically conservative. And when I talk to my friends who are physically conservative and they say, oh, this is a good thing. I say, you're full of shit. The best thing we can do is get these people back in the workforce. The best thing we can do for them is rehab them truly. And the best thing we can do is not prosecute cannabis crimes for one. It's illogical from a um, fiscal standpoint to incarcerate people or keep them incarcerated at this great expense. So my question to you is how much do you think the prison industrial complex has to do with this continued incarceration of our citizens for really bogus charges? Well, I think the prison industrial complex plays a similar role with prisons that the military industrial complex plays with wars. Um, it's there, there's a direct relationship. It's hard for us to measure that in a real way and to understand the relationship. 
because we cannabis people have just now begun to build political relationships and allies and understand what that pay to play right. system is all about. <laughs> and we don't have a whole lot to pay. And so we can't play. <laughs> yeah. What do you have to give? You always have to um, give. But, but the military industrial compact and the prison industrial complex does have that ability and political power. So um, I, I think there is a pretty strong relationship between those two things. And the 40,000 people you mentioned earlier, those are just cannabis prisoners. That, no, there's yeah. actually 2.3 million Americans locked up right now. Um, uh, and, and the 40,000 cannabis prisoners, that's just our best guess, you know. A lot of these case files and, and, and so forth have multiple charges in them, and you don't know which one was, Right. why are they in prison? Are they in prison for money laundering, or was it the cannabis, or was it the, you know, firearm they found with the, in, the, in the stash with the weed right. and the money, you know? It's the definition. Um, the definition has to be really pulled out. Yeah, and you know, you know, I mean, when we were underground, we had to do this illicitly, you know, sometimes you had to have firearms to protect yourself and your family. It's not, you know, you, you had to protect yourself from thieves as much as you did the police. And, 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 oh, yeah. and, and, and those, those always add a lot of charge years onto time and different charges when you have the firearm in there. So, um, but I, I, I think the, you know, there should be no for-profit prison. Absolutely. In, it's in, an, it's, it's literally a crime. It's a crime that it, these it, things it's exist. A, it's, yeah, it's a crime against humanity to have a for-profit prison and have them in the United States of America is just flabbergastingly absurd. Yeah, um, ulterior motives rule. I mean, I'm sorry, you cannot have a situation where you're making money off of someone's misery. That's disgusting. Yeah, I know. It's awful, you know, and 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 this is the, the root cause of the problem. And, 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 and what happens is you have a recession and then everyone goes, oh, God, all this money we're spending on prisons. Can't we privatize this somehow? Yeah. Um, and then they go ahead and do it. Um, and, and, and that's how all this gets started. Um, and, and, and I worry in a recession that's happening with this virus, that, that'll happen even more. And then, you know, these these prison companies lobby elected officials to bust people for weed and, and, exactly. and other things, other uh, other things people shouldn't go. There's all these things people go to jail for now, shouldn't go to jail for. I mean, I, I read a story in a book called Just Mercy of people going to jail for writing bad checks that aren't even that much, a few hundred dollars. And they go to right. jail for a long time. Now, they're usually poor. They're usually black. They usually live in the South. But you know what? It happens. And it's just unbelievable to me. You know? The big reform right now that's happening, which I do believe is probably the best reform we've currently seen in our modern times, is the revocation of a bail. You know, the, the, the necessity to create a bail for someone to get out on a small charge. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a step in the right direction because certainly people of color, um, minorities are adversely affected by that. And so this is definitely a step in the right direction. Thank God. Oh yeah. I mean the bail, if you get busted, I got busted with half a pound of weed in Oh five. So this was nine years after we legalized eight medical. Ounces. For those I had eight ounces. I had all my paperwork still busted me. My bail was $250,000. No. Oh, where? In Alameda County? No, this was LA County. Oh, Jesus. A little bit south, right? A little bit farther south, a little more conservative. Oh, five. 
little bit while ago. I, I still can't believe. I still can't believe that. 250, Do you know how many times? 000. How many times did you have that amount in your car back then? Oh my that God! Was, all the time. That was one that was time. A small amount. Yeah, that was a small amount. I was driving through. They had some checkpoint set up, and I was driving through there, and you know, they—that's oh. how they got me. But um, um, uh, uh, it was crazy, you know yeah. that. And and I had to sit there for. It took me a while to get a bail reduction hearing, so I had to sit there. For a little, for a few days, you know, because I wasn't going to pay that. No. Um, um, so, so, and I, I, you know, and that's a white guy like me, you know, imagine if, if my skin was black. What I'm looking at your, the, your Instagram feed on Just Mercy. I'm going to pick that book up and read it. Brian, Brian Stevenson for the people at home who are not seeing us. Great book. And it's now yeah. a movie. If you, if you, if books are kind of hard for you to get through time wise, it's now a movie. You can check out the movie. It's called Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption by Brian Stevenson. Um, we're going to go to the first break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about arrests. Steve has been, his brother has been very, very vocal about his airport arrest. And we'll come back with that. And we're very happy to have Andrew D'Angelo here with us. We'll be right back. We'll be back to Crave Your Sweet Tooth with more Dazed and Infused right after this. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Dazed and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward, your host. Tonight we have Andrew Andrew, I, I screwed it up again. Andrew D'Angelo of Harborside and okay, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to Days Infused. I'm Latham Woodward, your host, and we're back with Andrew D'Angelo. Harborside, 
chain of stores and lifelong cannabis lover and an advocate for cannabis and the last prisoner project. When we left in the break, we were talking about arrests and his arrest, for instance, and his bail situation. Um, your brother, Steve, um, I've heard him talk many, many times and he, he's talked publicly about him being arrested, I think four times at airports around the country for carrying weed. And I, I can yeah. tell that affected him greatly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not just weed, sometimes money. Oh, all oh, right. <laughs> right, right, right. I just think the whole money thing, uh, it's so anti-constitutional. I cannot believe they do that. It's freaky to me. Right. Yeah. Well, it, I can't either. And, you know, the whole $10,000 rule came down with the whole Reagan drug war. So before that, you oh. could freely carry as much cash around as you wanted to. And it was fine. It was not even questioned. But then once that rule came around, you had to file a form every time you, you move more than $10,000 around. It, it's uh, insane. So, it's insane. Isn't that weird? It's such yeah. an arbitrary low amount of money. It is. So uh, my next question is, you know, um, you grew up with weed around you. What was your attitude to your parents? I saw a very nice picture, a tribute to your father on your Instagram page. And what was your attitude of your parents about cannabis? Well, my parents did not get cool with cannabis until the very end of their lives when they became seniors and elderly. And then they both used cannabis the last five, 10 years of their lives. My mom sort of got a little cooler because <laughs> we took care of her financially uh, for many years. So that, that helped her. That goes, that goes a long way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my dad took a little bit longer. But, you know, they, they, in their minds, they were trying to be good parents and, and, and not condone what we were doing. We were very honest with, the, with them and said, hey, look, we're weed dealers. Um, but, um, uh, you know, when we, when we came out of the closet to them in the early nineties, you know, my dad was not too happy about it and it did cause some conflict for a number of years, my dad and my brother and mm. didn't speak at all. And me and my dad had issues. So, um, uh, there, 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 there was definitely some conflict there, but you know, our family, is a story of a family that had a lot of conflict and dysfunction early on and a lot of tragedy. My brother died when we were really young. Oh, um, sorry. And, um, and we persevered. And by the end of my parents' lives, everybody was really close, loved each other. Um, everybody, my parents died at home in our arms. Um, so um, they came around, you know, it took a little while. <laughs> that's a good story though. I like that. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good thing for people out there to know that your parents can come around. It depends. I mean, my father, I mean, my stepfather, I grew up with my, in almost my entire life. He very, you know, Reagan guy, you know, he didn't like drugs and he bought into the whole bullshit. And then at the end of his life, he started to have a little weed and I caught him once almost downing an entire tray of brownies, which was I didn't see him for two days after that, but, <laughs> well, <laughs> but he changed, he changed his, his mind about it. It was, it was great. Also yeah, before I, he died. I, yeah. People hang in there, everybody that, that, you know, keep educating your parents and, and grandparents and our elders, you know, usually encounter wisdom before we do. So they will. Yeah, you know, it's like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young song, teach your children well. You know, that's a, it's a good parable for that kind of thing. You know, I think uh, my, I have an 18 year old college daughter and uh, it's funny that 
she's been gravitating toward lyrics from the seventies, you know, sixties and seventies. Wow. And her, friend, and her friends are too. And it's kind of a trip because they're like, yeah, these guys tell stories. It's kind of cool. It means something. And I'm like, yeah, that's called. <laughs> yeah. When lyrics were lyrics again, <laughs> it was poetry. It was real poetry. I mean, rap is probably, you know, a lot of rap is as close as you're going to get to poetry now, I think. But, yeah, uh, oh, absolutely. I think hip hop and rap is poetic for sure. I mean, totally. some more than others, just like some rock and roll is more poetic than others. But, um, you know, I, my brother likes to call the new generation the smartest generation, the, the, the kids these days. I'm sure your daughter's no exception, and, and I'm sure you've already had. She'd sure like to think so, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I know, I know, but but the, there's just so much information at the tip of their fingers that we didn't have, and and, and they're so good at moving the, and communicating, and uh, uh, at least online, you know, maybe yeah. in person, folks need to increase their skills a little bit. But different but evolution. Really, it's evolutionary path has changed, you know. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with the young people. I, I'm, I, I, they give me a lot of hope. That's great. I like that. It's a positive feeling toward the future. And I, I think that's important right now, especially for people. If, if by the time this airs in about a week and a half, the coronavirus is still going on. Just remember, there's a lot of good adages out there, but you know, you go back to biblical thing and it's like this too shall pass. It will, you'll make it through this. It's just, it's a trial for you mentally, sometimes physically for a lot of people stuck at home. Use some cannabis. It'll help you get mellow get away from the alcohol. It doesn't help you. It's a depressant and get into your head a little bit and think about what you need to think about. I mean, it's a good, I think that's a good message and really kind of focus on you for a little while. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you. Um, I got a question for you about, let's get back to like that um, police state environment, you know, Mm. do you think this COVID-19 thing is going to go and make the state more powerful. It certainly is starting to look that way. And it's, it's troubling to me a little bit. What you got to take on that? Um, well, I am, I'm kind of in this Bay area political bubble uh, a little bit. So you and your me listener, too. Me too. listeners will have to forgive me on that. I look, I always worry about the government getting too much power. I always worry about authoritarianism. I always worry about um, our freedom. Uh, as you should, as you should. As we all should. Um, and and events like this can jeopardize that. And we have to be extra vi- vigilant. Um, Protecting our uh, rights right now for people at home, especially young people who've never faced diversity for, before, is you have to protect your rights. And I know a lot of people badmouth the Constitution, but you know what? If you read it, you realize the oppression those people were under when they wrote that document. You realize what they did not want to happen in the future. Take a look at it if you're young and you haven't read it before, because there's a lot of good information in there, believe it or not, despite what you hear sometimes in the media. Yeah, and it's not that, it really is not that hard to read. It seems like real old time language, but it's really not that hard to read, especially the Bill of Rights. And um, it is just, you know, government and civics is something that our generation studied. I remember they taught that in school and it was a pretty big deal. I'm not sure that's taught as much as it it was when we were growing up. Certainly in Washington, D.C. area was taught a lot um, where I I lived. Um, In the heart of it there, heart of it. Right, you know, how can you not? But but um, it is, you know, at times like this, 
you know, all of us have to be active citizens. We, we can't be pack, passive citizens. Sometimes the most active way you can be a good citizen is to stay at home right now. Um, that might be the best action to play, but it may not be. And, and so we all have to be active citizens right now and, and, and be vigilant, not just with our rights, but our communities, our cannabis people have to stick together right now. Um, and, and, and help each other. And our number one job is to get cannabis to the people. We have to do that by any means necessary. We have to do that safely, everybody Mm -hmm. safely. Um, and, and, um, you know, be vigilant. It's, it's, it's now is the time. Uh, we have a great opportunity to show mainstream society that cannabis community can do some good things right now. You know, right before the last break, I remember um, back in the Reagan era, you know, there was the, um, the guy who was in, the, in charge of the DEA and later he retired. And I heard a great like pre-TED talk from this guy live about how he said he cited crime statistics regarding cannabis. And he said he had totally changed his mind about cannabis because crime statistics did not hold up and crime regarding cannabis was very minimal unless there was large amounts of money to be taken. And that, that's when he changed it. He said, this is ridiculous. This war on drugs, fine. Cocaine, methamphetamine, that's fine. Cannabis isn't one of these things and cannabis can help. So we're going to go to the breaks and we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about one of my pet peeves right now. And that's commercially available. I used air quotes there. CBD. And then I'm going to go to Stony Story, where I'm going to ask Andrew to come up with a Stony Story that the, the listeners at home can identify with. And then we're going to ask you for some plugs. We'll be right back with Andrew D'Angelo. We'll be back to Crave Your Sweet Tooth with more Dazed and Infused right after this. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. My guests say, Razzie Berry, we're talking about nature, naturopathic medicine, as well as the concept of prevention and preventing disease. Empower people to live a naturopathic lifestyle, get to know your body, understand its rhythms, remove toxins, and use natural alternatives whenever possible. 90 to 95% of cancers are due to environment and lifestyle risk factors. That's a huge number. That means that cancer is preventable. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the 2020 Cannabis Caucus Event Series from March 10th through March 26th. Don't miss this exclusive opportunity for NCIA members to network learn about regional issues from influential guest speakers and get the latest news about NCIA's federal policy work and emerging topics. 
Look for this year's only tour of Cannabis Caucus events coming to Portland, Denver, St. Louis, Detroit, Chicago, Newark, Sacramento, and Los Angeles this March. Stay connected, get informed, and take action to protect our industry and your business. Register now for your complimentary tickets at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back only on CannabisRadio.com. We are with Andrew D'Angelo, and we're having a great conversation about all things weed, all things cannabis, and the COVID-19, which we're currently involved in. As we left for the break, uh, I asked Andrew about uh, one of my pet peeves right now, and it's driving me crazy. The commercially available CBD. You find it CVS, Walgreens, Safeway, Ralph's, Vons, everywhere. What's your take on this? You're an expert on this. I'm calling bullshit and snake oil. Yeah, well, the problem, you know, like any cannabinoid or natural compound, you always want to know where these things are, are grown, how they're grown, how they're processed, how they're made. Right. I only eat organic vegetables whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always try to source my cannabis from companies and farms that I've actually been to or I know a whole lot about. Um, That's and great. I, I, so uh, there's a lot of CBD being made from yeast. Yeah. Being made from nasty chemical yeast, maybe in petroleum, just all kinds of nastiness um, in China. And, non-tested, um, non-tested and in China. We need to say that this is coming out of China, a lot of it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, 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 I don't say that to scare people about coronavirus, but, no. but just it's not a local, um, it's not an American product, it's not made here, the supply chain is not um, coming from our genetics, you know. Um, there's no testing whatsoever. There's no testing, and when you can source CBD that has, that is local, that you do know where it comes from, that is tested, why wouldn't you do that? Um, exactly. Uh, so, I, and I do worry about the snake oil. Uh, um, if we, it, there's, Five milligrams of CBD is not going to do anything for anybody um, um, if there's no THC in it. And even if there is, probably not. 50, 100, 200 milligrams, maybe 25 milligrams at the low, low, low end if your blood's spring water. Um, maybe, you know. Yeah. But um, uh, 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 so, and, and, you know, you see all these ads and you see all this, you know, you can get a CBD latte in West Hollywood now. Um, it's not going to do anything for you. It's going to have maybe half a milligram of CBD in it. For $15 if wanna, more. <laughs> if you're going to put a, another five or 10 bucks down on your latte to get half a milligram and you're smart enough to do that, I <laughs> go ahead. But, yeah. you know, I think you, the FDA is going to start having stuff to say about this. And, and the problem is when you have bad actors out there or you just have exuberant actors like CVS, I guess. And hopping on the ma- bandwagon, you know, it makes it really hard for all of us because the FDA thinks everyone behaves that way. And um, and they pass rules to prevent a whole bunch of other good stuff that might happen otherwise. So it hurts the um, cannabis industry. It really does. 
Yeah. And, and it's all, a lot of it is hype. As you said, um, yeah. cannabinoids are useful compounds for human beings to take in the right doses from the right sources. And, and everybody should do that. Really. Yeah. Everybody on earth should do that. I do think it'll probably take us 10 years, but I think this is in every medicine cabinet on earth, um, in 10 or 20 years. Uh, I'm certainly and, hopeful of that. I'm certainly hopeful, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think it will be framed as a, medicine by and large, um, somewhat as an intoxicant. Um, but you know, people just, unless they OD on edibles, in which case they're not going to go out and do a bunch of reckless stuff unless they're already psychotic or have some kind of mental illness. Um, uh, they're going to go crawl in a hole and pray for their mommy to make it end. Um, yep. you know, basically <laughs> I've yeah. done that on several occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Join the club, Andrew. Join the club. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's just a different experience. So, so, uh, I, 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 I think that you respect these compounds or don't at our own peril as a society, really. You know, the, I interviewed the chef, um, edible D D Russell, and on another program and, or this same program, but the other night. And she said the great thing for a consumer to know is use a price point because if you're getting something for $20 at CVS that says it's CBD, you're not getting CBD. And that's the great rule to go with. So now we're going to transition into the portion of the show we call Stony Story. And if there's anything you'd like to share with the people at home, uh, just a short snippet, about something that's funny that happened to you when you're stoned or a friend was stoned. Everybody likes a stony story. Well, okay. I, I will, I will tell you, um, I'll tell you one, uh, uh, that, that has a little bit of a serious bent, uh, since we've already talked about last person project, but I'll talk we'll about it. First time, we'll take it. For first time I ever got caught with weed. Um, uh, when I was uh, a young man, I, I, I went on a trip to, Mexico and then Belize and I'm in Belize and I'm with a a new girlfriend at the time. We're just having a wonderful time. It's our last day in Belize. So we decide to go up the river and we consume all this cannabis and other visionary plants. And, um, and you know, we have a great time on the river. We go back down. It's time to leave. It's time to cross the border back to Mexico. We, we pack everything up and um, I, I gave some very specific instructions on, on how to stash the weed so we wouldn't get caught. Um, and um, the, the woman traveling with me at the time, you know, assured me that she had followed those instructions. And um, when we went to cross the border, <laughs> um, mm. uh, I learned that uh, uh, the instructions weren't followed. And, and in fact, the border agents uh, found uh, the cannabis. Luckily, it wasn't too much cannabis. Um, and luckily the visionary plants had worn off. <laughs> yeah. That, I, but, I hate that. That's the first thing you hear is, uh, senor, can I talk to you here? <laughs> it's like, uh Oh, and then I tried everything. I tried bribing them. I tried everything. Oh, no. but they, they were determined to lock me up for, for the night. And, mm. um, and then when I got into the jail, I was kind of happy the visionary plants hadn't quite worn off all that bad. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> off enough for me to interact with police, but not, not, and drive a car. But, but, but I was able to sort of tap into that magic sitting in that uh, jail cell. And, um, right. uh, 
and um, I trip out a little bit. The next morning, the magistrate gave me a fine and and sent me on my way. And and there you and, go. Uh, and it was all it was all good. <laughs> there you go, folks. Another stony story from Andrew D'Angelo. <laughs> so um, follow the instructions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the letter. So, Andrew, um, got anything you want to plug uh, tonight and get you some? Traction on yeah, the I'd love to plug the lastprisonerproject.org is our website. We have a petition up there active right now to get our cannabis prisoners out during this virus out- outbreak. On change.org, if you're already a subscriber, change.org, Last Prisoner Project. Yes, um, thank you so much. And, um, and if you own a dispensary or a cannabis company, we have two programs. One is called Roll It Up, where we have a little bucket next to the register at dispensaries. People put their change in there. And we have a program for brands to put uh, a certain amount of money uh, a month comes to LPP and you get a little logo to put on your brand. You can uh, inquire about those at our website. You can always, always reach out to me at Andrew at AndrewDiangelo.com. Check out my website. You can learn more about my story and what I've done over the years and um, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from your community. Right on. Great, great project and well worthwhile. Let's get these guys out of, out of prison. They don't need to be there. Um, we're going to wrap it up. And thanks again, Andrew, for being here. And this show brought to you as always by Shuggies. Shuggies.com, S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S.com. Delicious agave and sugar infused with low dose five milligrams of THC per packet. Now in single packs available in many, many dispensaries near you. Also many delivery services, which we all need right now. Andrew, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Lathan. Take it easy. Thanks you too. And be safe. Be safe. Thanks, man. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.